to uh, be up here real long, but I thought I wanted to, to touch on something that was related a little bit to the message uh, about uh, Leah. And uh, the message was on Sunday was he chose Leah. Amen. So we're going to look at something to do with that because, um, of course, uh, she changed what she was saying, Leah, every time she had a son. And it wasn't until she got to Judah that she stopped uh, or at least decided, you know what, I'm just going to praise God. Amen. So we're going to study tonight the lion of the tribe of Judah. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5 it says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. We taught this about three or four years ago about about the, the book. And we're going to look at that and a little bit about Israel in the Old Testament and the, you can say, the, the, uh, the line of Judah as coming from, from Leah. At this time of year, we are celebrating the birth of Christ. And of course, he was of the tribe of Judah. He wasn't of the tribe of Levi. In fact, in the New Testament, they question, how can you, how can you be a priest? You're not of the, the Levites. But you know, God was going to do a new thing. Because he was of the order of the priesthood of Melchizedek. Amen. So one of the things we see in the Old Testament is that the children of Israel, each had, each tribe had their own banner. Each had their own banner. I don't know if you've ever um, made a family crest. Anyone ever made a family crest or explored your family tree or genealogy? Okay, you have. So last week, um, my um, cousin reached out to me, um, and she said, I want to build a, a family tree. I want to I plot out our family tree, so I want you to tell me everything you know about um, our grandmother and grandfather, which, of course, I didn't really know too much, but I know who would know more than me, and that's my brother. So <laughs> he's got one of those memories, and so I reached out to him and said, do you remember the name of my Grand, grandmother and, and grandfather. I knew the last names, but I did not remember the first names. Uh, Israel, when they, when they uh, had a son or um, uh, an heir, it was very important, the lineage, the tribe they came from. They could trace their lineage all the way back to Abraham. And the New Testament, remember what they used to say? Our father Abraham. You're, you're not, you're, we know who our father is. But tonight... We can say the same thing if you're filled with the Spirit, amen. If you've, if you've taken on his name, and you can say, I know who my father is, amen. So the tribes, they camped under um, a family banner. And sometimes they would declare some things, declare some names over places that they were. And that's where we get all of these names of God, Jehovah Nissi. Anyone remember? Well, I put it up there now. <laughs> the Lord is our what? That means he's our standard. He's the he's the he's the the flag, so to speak, that we salute. You know, he is the flag that we we kneel to. Amen. His flag is the one that we bow down to. So, in Numbers chapter one, verse fifty-two, God told them specifically how they should camp, how they should order themselves, and the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every man by his own camp, and every man by his own standard. In other words, their banners to identify each tribe throughout their hosts. And in verse Numbers 2, 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard, 
with the ensign of their father's house. Each house had a banner with an emblem on it that represented one of the 12 tribes and even sometimes some of the clans of the tribes. Just as now, today, it's really only royalty that does that, right? Uh, Prince, no, it's King Charles, not Prince anymore. He has an official standard which has his emblem on it. His son, William, has an official standard which has his emblem on it as Prince of Wales, and it's got a, a red dragon in it and some other things on it. But in, in those days, in biblical times, each tribe had their own standard which they pitched under, which, they, which, they, which they, was their personal flag of the camp. And in fact, this was told them by God to do it this way. It wasn't something they just did, but God told them, this is what I want you to do. And we'll, we'll see maybe in a later study why God told them to do that. Um, and so they were told to, to, to pitch their tents in a certain order around the tabernacle. And in fact, each banner... Each banner that they came up actually represented something. Actually, a name of Christ. A name or a title for Christ. And in scripture, there are dozens. I didn't, I didn't count the whole number, but name some, some, some titles in the Old Testament for God. I gave you one, Jehovah Nissi. And what does that mean? My healer. Jehovah Shalom, my peace. Jehovah Jireh, my peace. Provider, okay. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm going to put them up there for you to remember then. He, he's our advocate, the Alpha and Omega, the Almighty, the Amen, the Apostle and High Priest of our confession. And that's important, the Apostle and High Priest of our confession. We don't, we don't go to an ordinary priest when we confess. We can confess to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the author and finisher of our faith. That's when I quote a lot of times. In Colossians, these are even New Testament titles. Beloved Son, Bread of God, Bread of Life, Living Bread, the Bridegroom, the Brother. He's our brother. You don't think of that much as a, a title, but he's our brother. Captain of our salvation. Chief shepherd. Deliverer. These are just New Testament titles. We, we mostly know the Old Testament titles, but listen to this. He's our Emmanuel. He's the faithful and true witness. He's the first and the last. The firstborn among many believers. Firstborn from the dead. Firstborn of all creation. First fruits. The hidden manner. High priest, he who holds the keys of David, the I am, the intercessor, the light of the world, and of course the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is what this lesson tonight is about. Now I ended my message last Sunday, feels like more than a week ago, but it was only Sunday, with the fact that at the end of his life, Jacob called all of his sons to bless them, to pronounce a prophecy over them. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 1. And Jacob called unto his sons, and he said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. So these, did you hear what it said? In the last days. Gather yourself together, and hear ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. And of course, he takes each son one at a time and, and, and declares 
certain things about that, that tribe and what's going to happen. But I'm just going to focus tonight on Judah. And Judah art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be on the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's what means a young lion. Returned from the prey. My son thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion. And as an old lion who shall rouse him. Then he, he, he does the prophetic part. He says the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Nor a lawgiver from between his feet. Until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And all of that, that one verse is so prophetic if you analyze each part. But he was speaking of the ruler that was going to come from the line of Judah. This all goes back to Leah. Remember what I said? That Jacob chose Rachel, but God chose Leah. And through Leah, when she got to the fourth son, she called him Judah, which means praise and it's from that time on, from the fourth son, she stopped so much looking at her husband. So much. Because from that time she said, you know what, I'm going to just praise God. But she had six sons. And when you look at the, the direction from God, how they were to camp, it's interesting, it's not in their birth order. Because the oldest son was who? Reuben. But he was not, he didn't end up being the the birthright or the, the, the one who got the blessing. And they each had a banner. And in uh, I forget when this was printed, but sometime in the 70s in Israel, they printed some stamps. And each stamp had the banner of each tribe. And uh, I'm not going to go into detail and teach on that tonight, but it was interesting. So God told them that they were not to just even camp any old how They were to camp in a certain order. And it's interesting that the leadership, the order of leadership of the camp turned out to be from Judah on. The next two sons were part of the group that God ordered as being the leadership of Israel. The last, the last three sons, from the time she named Judah, praise, her next son's name was Issachar. And then the son after that was Zebulon. And when we look at the camp... Those three were to lead Israel in whenever they marched. Isn't that amazing? From the time she decided to say, I'm going to start praising God. The next two sons, although they were not, they were far from being the oldest. Those three sons became God commanded to lead Israel in the camps. Let's look at that. Genesis, and she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. She's not focusing so much on her husband. She says, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. And now look what it says here. And she stopped having children. It looks like that's the end of it. You would think she's not going to have any more children because the Bible said she stopped having children. And uh, then her, ser her handmaids started to have children and Rachel's handmaids started. And she stopped having children for a while. So there was a, a bit of a gap between Judah and his next uh, full brothers. But it says, And God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. So there was a big gap because her, she had stopped conceiving. Whatever happened, we don't know, but it says that she stopped having children. But then God listened to her again, and she started up having children again. It would be like someone 
who had a baby in their 20s and then in their 45th year, suddenly now they start to have children again. And you, you have brothers who are like 25 years apart. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. And uh, we see this, we see this in, in fact, in my family because my brother married very late. So his children are really cousins to my children. But my oldest son is like 30 or 40 years, 30 years older than his cousin. You see how that works. So we see there was a great gap, but yet, because God chose Leah, every son after Judah was in the leadership, even though they were not the in in the you know in birth age, even the first. And Leah said, "God had seen my hire, God had seen my my um, my wages, because my my husband isn't really paying me attention, so to speak, because I have given my maiden to my husband, and she shall call his." She shall call his name. And she called his name Issachar. And I'm going to tell you what that means. And then Leah conceived again and bare Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulon. And so now it turns out, it turns out that those three sons God ordained to be the leadership of Israel after Joseph died. It did not go into Ephraim as I, as I preached on Sunday. It says, nope, I'm not going to um, choose Joseph's tent, nor the tribe of Ephraim, but Judah. So, of course, you know, Judah means praise. And it was so interesting. As you know, last night after I left you guys, I had to run home for a lesson. And wouldn't you know it, she was talking about this very thing, and she went into the names the meaning in, in Hebrew of the names of Issachar and Leah and Rachel. And she was discussing this very thing. And so Issachar means God is my payment. She was looking for Jacob to be her payment. You know, sometimes we're looking for the, in the wrong direction for God's blessing. After praise, then she had the, the next son. She said, God is my payment. And she said, God has given me my hire. God is going to be my payment. And then the, the next son's name is Zebulun, which means to exalt, to lift up. In other words, God has exalted me and lifted me up. See, once she changed her thinking and she called the son, now I'm going to just start praising God. And then the, the fifth son is God is my payment. And then Zebulun to exalt, to lift up. So now... Those sons were, were far down the pecking order. Judah was fourth, but by the time she had Issachar, I think he was um, either ninth or tenth. But yet God chose him to be next to Judah. So in the camp, you'll see all the three sons, natural born sons of, of Leah, are on the east side and are the leadership for when they start to march. God determined that they should march under the, the banner of Judah and that Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon should be in the lead when they marched. Isn't that amazing? When God chooses you, you don't worry. Even your progeny, even your children. <laughs> My brother used to always quote to me. He says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And he would, he would put that in terms of us and my father. You know, he said, well, maybe, maybe me and you are not the best. <laughs> not that righteous. 
but we know our dad was, so we'll never beg for bread. <laughs> See, even when, 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 you, when you do the right thing, God looks even after your children. And so I'm just showing you right here how it is that God chose, because God chose Leah, even her children, even though they, they weren't born early they, in, the, in the scheme of things, they shouldn't have been anywhere in the leadership. But you can see that God grouped Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon on the east side, which was the leadership side. It was the side that the Ark of the Covenant, the, the entrance to the tent of meeting was. And it was also the, the three that led Israel whenever they marched. And of course, this camp, this camp represented or, or represented the, the order in heaven. In Revelation um, 4, 6, it gives the banners that each of these groupings uh, camped under. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like under crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts or four creatures full of eyes before and behind. And of course, each of these creatures was symbolized by, by, um, by a flag that each of the, the groups used. Let me see if I can get it now. Then God told them that even when they were to break camp and march, the order would be first the Ark of the Covenant, then the, the, the three sons of Leah, starting with Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, then the Levites, and then Reuben, Simeon, and Gad, and then finally the, the furniture from the tabernacle, and then the last six tribes. And so because God chose Leah, even her sons were in the lead for the children of Israel. In Numbers 10.13, and they first took their journey according to the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. In the first place went the standard of the camp of the children of Judah according to their armies. And over his host was Nashon, the son of Abinadab. And over the host of the tribe of the children of Issachar was Nathaniel, the son of Zuar. And over the host of the tribe of the children of Zebulon was Eliab. So each of the leaders of the tribe carried the banner for their, for their tribe. But the, the chief banner was of course for Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. So the prophecies that were given by Jacob started to be fulfilled in the descendants of each of the sons. And as my, my brother used to say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And he would tell me that all the time. <laughs> he would come up to me and tell me that all the time. Meaning, listen, uh, we, we're never going to be broke. <laughs> Not because of anything we did. Amen. But I'm telling you this. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or You know why? Because God gives us righteousness not because of who we are, but because of what he did. Amen. And he can provide even in a time of famine, even in a time of struggle. Amen. So we see that the prophecy on Judah started to be fulfilled. His banner became that of the lion. Judah is a lion's whelp, a young lion. And so when Jacob pronounced that, that became his banner. And of course, it modeled the four creatures in heaven. And it says in Re uh, Revelation 4, verse 9, it says, And when these, those beasts give glory and honor and thanks, he that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. When we jump to the New Testament, all of these things that were in the Old Testament were models for what God was going to do or showing in heaven. The tabernacle was a model of the true tabernacle in heaven. Same with the temple. And even the banners that they had were uh, representative of the creatures in heaven. 
And in Revelation 4, we see the scene shift from Jesus standing in the, amongst the candlesticks to the scene in heaven at the atonement, as I was teaching the other day. And he sees one with a book in his hand. With the book in his hand. And nobody was found worthy to open it. Revelation 5, 1, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And when I taught this, I asked this question. Why did John weep? Anyone remember? Why was John weeping because the book, no one was found worthy to open the book? Sister Alexis? Okay, he's going to put the mic by you so you can, everyone can hear. Well, I'm sure it hurt his feelings, but I don't think that was the only, the only reason why he was sad. As I've said before, in Revelation 13, it really gives us the reason for what the book was. And I've taught that it was the book of life. If the book could not be opened, the names could not be read. Right? In Revelation 13, it speaks about whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's book of life. And so we see that the reason why he wept was because he knew that unless the book could be opened. Remember that there was a prophecy in Daniel chapter 12 verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was. We're almost at that time. Did you know that? We're almost at that time. The world is in trouble. But you know, it's like they say, you can boil a frog slowly and he won't notice till he's dead. But if you just throw him in hot water, he'd jump out. And that's what's happened. The world has been boiling very slowly. And most people have been thinking, oh well, I can get up, I can go out. And the Bible says that they were just like that in Noah's day. They were just eating and drinking and going about. Until the day the flood came and took them away. You understand that people, even with all the prophecies, even with Noah telling there was going to be a flood, nobody believed him. We're at that same stage today. And what is happening in the world right now, many times would, if we knew the depth of it would, would scare us. Would scare us. And it says that Michael the great prince standeth for the children of thy people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time... Thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be what? Found, written in the book. This is why John was weeping. Because if the book couldn't be opened, no names could be called. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. 
and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and what does it say? Seal the book. Seal the book. Now, I don't believe that was the exact book, but it was a book of prophecy he was speaking about. All of the prophetic things that Daniel had been given were going to be sealed. People could read it and yet not understand it because it's speaking of a spiritual seal in this particular instance. But when John saw that book and realized what it was, that's when he, he wept. That's when he cried. Let's look at this. In Exodus 32, 32, Here's Moses speaking about that book. He says, If thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. There are some books that only God has written. One of them is the book of life. The book of life. Jesus said, Rejoice. Not that you can do miracles. Not that you can, um, you know, uh, pray for the dead. Not that you can cast out demons, but rejoice. Why? That your name is written in the book of life. That's the most important thing that we have to make sure that our name is written in the book of life. Amen. In Revelation 3, 5, it says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. That was the book, and that is why he wept, because nobody could open it. Nobody was found worthy. But here's where the tie-in with Judah comes. It says, Then one of the elders came to me and said, Weep not. Weep not. Why? For the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. Isn't that good? Satan did not win. I told you, son, I've looked at the end of the book. And he does not win. Amen. In Revelation 13, 8, it makes it explicit what the book is. It says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That's whose book it was. And he's the only one who could open it. In Daniel, we see Daniel was given a a vision of the future and what was going to happen at a high level. And at the end of, of days, this is the prophecy that he saw. He said, he saw one sitting on a throne and a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him and the judgment was set and the books were opened. And I saw the dead, small and great, this is Revelation now, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now, you don't have to be at this judgment. Did you know that? This is the judgment where you're going to be judged according to your works. I don't want to be judged according to my works. Amen. Jesus said, or in the New Testament, says, if we judge ourselves, we shall not be judged. Amen. Paul says, knowing not that we shall judge angels. Because we have the opportunity now to not be in that judgment. Amen. We can be passed from that judgment because we can be in the first resurrection. We, We can be in the book of life The first time it's open, when Jesus started to open the seals and read the names. But we don't have to be uh, concerned about this one, but this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen, and this is what I'm talking about, the connection between all the way back in the Old Testament of Leah and the Lion of the tribe of Judah. It's amazing to me how God has a plan that stretches thousands of years. Because as I taught some time ago, it says, at the appointed time. 
You just have to wait for your appointed time. God has an appointed time to bring you deliverance. God has an appointed time when you're going to have the son. That's what he told Abram. At the appointed time, after 25 years and trying all kinds of stuff, surrogate motherhood, God finally told him, listen, this time next year, at the appointed time, Sarah shall have a son. And of course she laughed because that's what Isaac means. So we're going to look in a little bit of detail here and I won't keep you too long tonight because the scripture says three things about the lion of the tribe of Judah. First of all, and I wept much because no man was found worthy to do what? To open it? Number two, to read the book and to look thereon. To open the book, the first thing you have to do is in those days you had to release the seals. They didn't have... um, electronic uh, communication so they would wrap scrolls and tie them and then they would put a wax seal on each of the of the of the pieces of string that tied it so they would know if anyone broke it if anyone had opened it because the only way to open it was to break the seal so there were three things written in this in this scripture here to open the book which was to release the seals to read the book And reading the book means what? Calling out the names. Remember what Jesus said, and I've been tying this together. He said, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you. I will call your name. You know when he's going to do that? When he reads the book. Amen. Amen. And then to look thereon, which is to see the results. We're going to look at the two things that were also said, that he had been found worthy and that he prevailed. So in the, in the Greek, that word worthy is axios, and it means somebody who is valuable. Did you know that you are valuable to God? Not in our own self, but because of what he did. Who is valuable, who has the same worth, who is befitting, who corresponds to a thing. It's like comparing two things. Something is worthy. Amen. So when it's saying that he had been found worthy... It means, it's comparing Jesus, in other words, to the actual book. Because Jesus said, in me is life. You understand? He is the book of life. In me is life. And that life is the light of men. Timothy 1.10 But it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. Now that may not seem that way to us. But if you are born of the spirit and of the water, Jesus has abolished death. That's what the scripture says. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. But it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. In John 1, 4, it says, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. So he's equivalent. The reason why he was found worthy is because he is the same as the book of life. He is the equivalent. He is worthy because in him was life and that life was the light of men. John 8, 12 then says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And I'm, what I'm going to tell you, that, that those two verses, John 1, 4, John 8, 12, are still a revelation. A revelation. One of these days, I, I pray God will give me the full revelation to be able to teach on it. So what the verse is saying when he was found worthy, 
is that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. So it's the same value. In John 5.25, it says, or in John 14.16, it says, I am the way, the truth, and what? And the life. John 5.25 says, Verily, verily, I say, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so he hath given to the Son to have life in himself. In other words, when he opened the book and called the names, they were going to hear the sound of the Son of Man. And what does it say? They that hear shall live. Remember what he said in Matthew 28 when he arose. He said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And he also went on to say, I have the keys of death and of hell. For as the Father hath life in himself, so he hath given to the Son to have life in himself. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. So in other words, he's also the one that wrote the book. What did the scripture say? He is the author and the finisher of our faith. John 6, 47 says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath what? It's because of the, 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 the triumph of the Lion of Judah. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. In verse 48 he says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the whole world. That's why when John, the elder, came to John and said, Don't weep. Don't weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. Because of what Jesus did, we are, we are passed from death unto life. And although right now we're going through stuff, anyone not going through stuff? We're going through stuff. What I'm trying to tell you tonight, hold on. Don't be discouraged because it's coming soon. There is going to be a day when all of this changes. Just like in the Old Testament where people thought, okay, that old man has been preaching for 119 years. 119 years and 364 days. And nothing's happened. But suddenly, on the in the 128th year, the Bible says that the fountains of the deep were broken up. I can imagine some people saying, what was that? Did you feel something? What was that? Is that water? Is that water? And then when it really started to pour, people started to run to that ark. But the sad thing was, the Bible said that God shut the door. It wasn't even Noah. God shut the door. He is the author. And because of that, only the one who sealed it can open it. Only the one who sealed it can open it. In Daniel 9, 24, it gives the whole overview of what was going to happen. And I've taught on that very, very much. There are seven things. There are 70 weeks. And we're waiting right now for the conclusion of that prophecy. And just like in the days of Noah, the disciples asked Jesus, when will these things be? And he says, 
Just as in the days of Noah, people were marrying and giving into marriage and just car- carrying on with their life as if nothing was happening. They did not see the signs. They did not see the signs. They did not see the sign of the virgin in Jesus' time, did they? Because they did not believe. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? How come he's not born in Jerusalem? People will always come up with it with reasons why it can't be true. Amen. Daniel 12, 8, it says, And I heard, but I understood not. Even Daniel did not understand. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. When the unsealing begins is when it starts to happen. The next thing that I'm going to talk about is prevail. That was all about the fact that he was worthy because in him was life. The last thing that I'm going to talk about is about the Lion of Judah is that he prevailed. Amen. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. In Colossians, Paul was describing what happened when Jesus died. And having spoiled, that means taken their treasures, principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 16, he says, For if the dead rise not, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. He was saying that to tell them, no, that's not the way it is. You can have this assurance. You can have this assurance of faith that Christ did raise from the grave. Amen. Because he was seen in Peter. He says he was seen by more than 500 people after his crucifixion alive. After he had been in the grave three days. After the Roman soldier had put the sword and spear in his side, he was seen for over by over 500 people for over 40 days before the day of Pentecost. In the end, we win. In the end, we triumph. And what I'm trying to encourage you, just hold on. I don't have a date. I don't have a date. I have a theory, but I don't have a date. And I don't know. I don't know exactly, but I know it's close. And I know we've heard that all my life I've heard that. All my life I've heard that. But it's coming up to the 120th year. It said that Noah preached 120 years, right? And I'm sure all that time people scoffed and said, this crazy old man, what are you talking about? Until the flood came and took them away. In 1 Corinthians 15, 21, it says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all die be made alive. There is coming a resurrection. There is coming a rapture. There is coming a catching away. There is coming an end to this. There is coming a transformation. There is coming a change to your situation. You know in the fairy tale Cinderella she's the little no, no, you know, little no name little girl that's cleaning all the, the stove and the, the uh, fireplace But then the prince comes and finds the shoe and it fits. And then her life changes. You understand our prince is coming. Amen. Our prince is coming. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in in me. I'm going away. 
but I'm coming back. And just as how heaven and earth shall pass away, he said, but my words shall, what, never pass away. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And this is the scripture I always read at a, a funeral when they're putting the body in the grave. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may stand with me. I told you I wasn't going to be long. I wanted to, to just highlight how it was that through Leah, God choosing Leah, and you saw that how he chose, once she, once she realized that it wasn't about Jacob, once she had Judah, the next three sons turned out to be ones God used in leadership. And Judah himself was the forerunner for Jesus Christ. Amen. You understand that God can take your circumstance, no matter how bad it may be, how terrible it may be, and he can turn it around. And as I said Sunday, that scripture, for we know, and if you are persuaded that neither height nor depth or, um, it goes on to say principalities and it goes on to say any other creature can separate us from the love of God. What I want to tell you tonight as we go into 2023, as we go into 2023, we're not far. We're not long to go. Amen. I don't know of too many other prophecies needing fulfillment. We've had all the signs we need, really. We've had all this. We've had the, 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 the red moons. We've had the, the celestial alignments. The only reason why it's waiting some more is God is merciful. He doesn't want one person to be lost. Jesus said, I don't want even one person to be lost. It is mirrored in the fact that seven days before it started to rain, God told Noah, get into the ark. I think that's where we are right now. The ark is ready, and he's saying, get into the ark. I don't know how many, which day we're on, how many days we have left. But he told Noah and his family, get into the ark. And it was seven days yet to rain. God gave it extra time. The people must have noticed Noah had finished the ark. They must have noticed he wasn't around nailing anything. What? He's, he's actually gone in the boat. You would think that would make them wake up. You'd think that would make them wake up, but no, God gave seven extra days. Yeah, a week. But then finally, the Bible says that God shut the door. Then the fountains of the deep were broken up. And then something New came down. Sister Mary? That's kind of what I'm saying. I said, I believe we're down into that week somewhere. I believe that we're in the time where the ark is, is ready. Whoever has wanted to hear the gospel, because of technology, there's the Bible has been translated into... Every single language possible. Even finally in China, they're hearing the gospel. There isn't a place probably on this planet where a Bible now has not been translated. That wasn't the case even 20, 30 years ago. But now we're at the, the point where I believe we're in the countdown. 
And God is going to come back and take his bride. Make your calling and election sure. Don't let anything deceive you. Don't get taken away by something trivial. Don't let the devil mess up heaven for you. Hold on. Hold on. Do not get discouraged. Do not let anything take away your salvation. You have got to hold on. Hallelujah. Amen. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness and your grace and your love. Hallelujah. Lord God, that you have enabled us to come here tonight to lift up our hands in worship. Amen. Lord, that you have opened the ark, Lord God. You have said it's time to get ready. It's time to get in there. Lord, help us, oh God, to make our calling and election sure. Lord, we thank you. Help us even to be witnesses to the very end, to to encourage others, Lord God. Hallelujah. To tell them the truth that your love can save to the uttermost. Lord, we just thank you and ask for your blessing even as we go into 2023, Lord God, whatever date you have set, Lord God, that we will be ready, that we will be, oh God, have our names written in that Lamb's book of life. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a praise offering.